All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sean and welcome, Brian. We're excited to talk to you today about um, digital shorts, I believe is the topic. Is that right, Brian? Right on. Absolutely. Let's talk about them. Awesome. We caught wind recently of uh, an awesome blog article from Neville Medora, who is a, a big copywriting guru. And he had run what appears to be kind of an experiment with digital shorts over the series of a month. I think he did kind of like daily-ish shorts across multiple platforms and had some pretty exciting uh, success with it. So we wanted to share with you, I know digital shorts have become more and more popular. So we wanted to share those insights with you. You want to kind of lay it out, Brian, in terms of how the experiment went? Yeah, sure. So from uh, from the article, he attempted to publish shorts on multiple different platforms. Uh, and what we really get is a compare and contrast with the results across those platforms in terms of views uh, and uptake. So um, what's, what's noteworthy and new and noteworthy here is um, that it was relatively content uh, kind of agnostic. There didn't seem to be a lot of tons of CTAs at the end of the content. It was just like, I'm just going to start publishing. Uh, and the results there are pretty interesting. So um, I think probably the the obvious place to start is what's been most successful. Yeah, for sure. So just to give our listeners an idea in terms of how the experiment went, I think it was like a daily-ish short, you know, short video format under a minute or so across four platforms in particular, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and LinkedIn. And in the blog article, which we'll link in the show notes, Neville had shared the results over the month and kind of categorized and gave us feedback in terms of like how he thinks it went for all of the four platforms. And from what I understand, in order, in terms of the results that he reported, Instagram did the best of the four, which was relatively surprising to me. I wasn't expecting that. The second one, which wasn't a surprise, ended up being YouTube. The third was TikTok and the fourth one was LinkedIn. So from what you read in that blog article, Brian, what surprised you the most? Uh, how low? Um, uh, first off, there there were a couple of couple of things, but but probably the biggest one is how few people are leveraging the LinkedIn side of things. Ironically, right? Um, the where people get this sense where they need to publish kind of everywhere, uh, and of all the platforms, you would expect more publishing to be happening, particularly in a business context. I would have thought LinkedIn would have been much more popular in that context, and it turns out. Um, you know, of the four he's tested, and of course, there's millions of places you can post your stuff. Um, the fact that uh, LinkedIn actually had any performance relative to how little content's out there is awesome in and of itself. Um, and then how much lower it was compared to everything else was also surprising. Yeah, I probably am less surprised by that because I've experimented, I know you know this, with posting native video on LinkedIn. Now, this was kind of before shorts a couple of years back, or I should say before shorts exploded. So the the content was probably a little bit longer. That might have something to do with it. But the performance wasn't bad. Like I saw performance, but I didn't see anything like the numbers Neville's reporting for some of these other platforms. He reports that, and I, I saw it because I watched it, on his Instagram account, he got one of the videos. Now, this was like an outlier, but one of the videos got like 600,000 views or something crazy like that, which yeah. is wild. I, I can't even fathom, you know, hitting numbers like that. But other videos did very well also, like tens of thousands, uh, plenty in the thousands. And uh, the same thing, all like short form content. So he put Instagram kind of out front in terms of the growth, but he also gave YouTube a lot of credit for the authenticity of the views and like the analytics. So that was the thing, right? There's a bunch of variables across these platforms in terms of, the response that he got and the analytics as well too because that's that's always a tricky thing right you're, you're never really sure whether or not to trust the numbers but 
performance across the board was impressive. I think to your point on LinkedIn, one of the things Neville shared was, though it was the you know last place in this category, did say that it had effectiveness. And one of the things he mentioned, which probably cool to talk about as well, was that it's really accessing a different audience. So he, what are your thoughts on that, Brian? Yeah. So, you know, that, that whole, um, there are places where it's safe, you know, at work to, to hang out on social, right. And LinkedIn's typically one of them. Most folks, most corporates don't block LinkedIn, which means, um, you have, you get access to some of those, uh, maybe those mid-market B2B spaces where you wouldn't necessarily see them on Instagram during the day. Um, I think the other part that starts to become an interesting question you know, when you, when anybody conducts kind of research with numbers, the very first thing I want to know is um, how many variables can we possibly isolate? And what I don't get from the article is what that content was about and did he change the content based on each platform? Um, that starts to become uh, pretty dicey pretty quick because there are certain videos that perform really well on different platforms. Like, like for some reason, Facebook has figured out that I love watching how-to videos. So I'll sit there and watch people make like furniture or, you know, remodel houses or whatever. Uh, and Facebook gets it. I, I don't see that content on any of the other platforms because I think I consume different stuff in different spaces. Um, and I think that's an important part of the conversation. Have you had experiences similar to that? Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's important to understand kind of what audience is on which platform and all the other variables that you have to manage here. I know we talk about in terms of setting up our content strategy and keeping with the podcast chef theme, right? We break it down. We've kind of got like the main dish and then the ingredients. And we think about that in terms of how we set up our product strategy. So we've kind of got like our central theme and all the things that support that as well too. So with all that content we produce, like for the show, we experiment in that way. So we have a structure so that we can test it. I think that's helpful as well. So there's all those variables, right? The format, the content, the production value, you know, what goes in the video, all that type of stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of those variables to have to manage. And then there's what you're talking about as well. So I, you know, long story short here is I think you can get, it can get overwhelming quickly. So more than anything, get the content out there and just start testing it and then evaluate the results in terms of like what performs well. Um, so let the data kind of drive your decision there. And then with the production value stuff, unless you're partnering with a firm like Podcast Chef or whatever, just kind of get started and then pick that stuff up along the way. Like you can get better with it as you iterate moving forward as well. Um, I do want to talk about the other platforms in Neville's article, in particular in YouTube as well too. So um, unless you have anything on that previous point, I want to talk more about what you felt surprising about the YouTube results. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to derail. We can come back to it uh, kind of after we go through some of these, but um, I definitely want to put a pin in the idea that um, the, the different content types also are intended to do different things, right? Like what's the purpose of a short versus the purpose of the long form, like in our case, the podcast, and how does that play across these things? So that, that we're not just, we're, we're not just idly throwing stuff out there. It's designed to do certain things, which gets back to which content goes in what places and how long should it be? Well said. Yeah, I think that's important. Taking like a data-driven approach to different different combinations of those variables that you want to test is probably the best way to do it yep. as in, instead of like, you know, in the beginning, you might go a little bit wider, then you start to learn like what titles get the best traction, which tone, which topics seem to be getting the most views, like wait till you have enough data to make an informed decision before you start making big changes, probably, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and how those views turn into support your overall business strategy, right? Mm, so we're, we're, we're not in a popularity contest idly anyway. There is certain value in collecting likes, um, but, you know, in many ways, some of this is fake internet points if it doesn't turn into, you know, something right. that, that satisfies your business objectives. So, you know, how do we how do we use shorts to to develop business? How do we use the long form content? How does that you know work into your overall strategy is probably the biggest um, uh, part that we we're not. You know, a lot of folks are talking about like how do you develop your social media? How do you leverage shorts? How do you grow your your online presence? Um, but the missing piece is that part in the middle that connects all of it to your business and your revenue your revenue model and how you're going to make that work. So um, I want to get back to that. I don't like that's the big elephant in the room for me with all of the when anybody, you know, sure. puts an article on likes and stuff like that. The very first thing I'm going is, OK, so so let's translate that. Um, but yep. but in the YouTube space, Sean, you, you mentioned that there was some surprising data there. So I wanted to get your take on that. Totally. Yeah. And relative to what you just mentioned i think we can frame it in that context too because i agree that's important it's easy to get excited about this once you realize like what you can do relatively quickly with shorts you can get a lot of views but like you said what does that what does that matter how does that translate into traction or progress or money or whatever like whatever your goals are don't lose sight of that because it's easy to be like great i've got you know whatever shrewd bucks yeah exactly <laughs> now, <does that> translate <laughs> into something of value uh so it's the, cash it into dogecoin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the most interesting thing about the YouTube section of his blog article, Neville's blog article for me was that the shorts, and he shows a graph where views uptick pretty aggressively. So it starts, you know, the needle starts bouncing quite a bit and starts getting a lot more views, but subscriber growth was flat. Subscriber growth didn't go up. And what he attributes that to is he was just producing the short form content. He wasn't producing the long form content. So while YouTube is promoting the shorts, that might get you views, but he didn't get more subscribers, which I would say, even though you don't own that platform, right? Cause it's on YouTube, that's still a potential for monetization down the road. And you're still building your community and your sphere of influence. So subscribers are valuable on YouTube as a platform, but it didn't materialize as part of this experiment because the long form content wasn't there to complement the short form content. So I know Brian, you'll have an opinion about this, of course, because of how our model works with podcast chef. So Lay it out for the good people here. Like, what should they be doing? How can they take advantage of that? Like, what's the easiest way to, to basically check both of those boxes? I feel like we need some sort of like pre-recorded, like record a podcast with the trumpets and the angels and the beams of light. <laughs> record a podcast and then <laughs> chop it up into shorts. I mean, that's that's totally. the like easiest and obvious kind of answer. One of the things though that when 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 that this data really points to is to the previous point, which is different content serves different purposes, right? So without that long form content, without that deeper dive, you don't drive subscribers. So now the next natural next question is why are subscribers important, right? Well, it gives you the chance to regularly communicate with folks that are in your ideal target market. So when when we're trying to grow subscribers, it's not just fake internet points or shrewd bucks or, or Dogecoin. It is quite literally to get people that you can communicate with on a regular basis, which starts a relationship and in yep. podcasts kind of core take on the way you sell in the modern market, it is you do it through relationship development, you do relationship-based selling. So to kind of put a bow on all of that stuff yep. and how it fits together, I think it's important to know um, that that if you don't come at it strategically, if you don't come at it with how, you know, understanding all that stuff, what you're going to get is 
the experience that I think a lot of our early clients were coming in with, which is, yeah, I tried podcasting for a couple of weeks and it just didn't take. And where does that podcast go when it's all said and done, right? Podcast graveyard. Graveyard. So, so you know, and, and you've helped people kind of come to grips with this understanding. What are the biggest takeaways that you've come up with there? Yeah, it's well said. I mean, it's about developing it into a routine, in my opinion. And Neville talks about that. So that's one of his takeaways in this blog article from the experiment that he ran is his recommendation in terms of basically how to leverage shorts. And it's if you're going to make this a part of your everyday routine and you're going to invest into it as part of your content marketing strategy, the way he recommends doing it is interestingly enough, very similar to basically the service we offer at Podcast Chef, which was always good to hear, right? Because we're always trying to innovate for our clients. And it turns out that other people feel like there's value there too, in terms of that strategy. But it's basically like taking that longer form content, really focusing there, and then chopping that longer form content up into shorter pieces of content to then promote that longer form content. So you can work backwards from it. So I think what's interesting to me and the strategy that I'd recommend as well too, and kind of the takeaway I took from the blog article is that our process is, is meeting the market kind of right where it is right now. So for our clients and what we're doing, which is helping them with everything they need to record the podcast episode, which should be relatively low effort given the other services that we provide, they can record long form. And then when we take that, we chop that up into, we, we produce that as the episode, but then we chop that up in a bunch of short form content as well too. Now the short form content is great for raising exposure and promoting the show. And then on the platforms like YouTube, because the long form content's there, that will help subscriber growth which helps them build communities, which helps them then promote whatever products or services they're offering, which should be relevant to the audience that they've designed the show around, which we've helped them with too. So that's kind of my takeaway from it. Uh, Brian, I want to get yours as well too. Yeah. And I think, you know, in looking at some of the shorts here and, and we, we've danced around the topic a little bit with what's in the shorts, one of the things that's um, really kind of, I want to say novel about our approach uh, when it comes to creating shorts uh, is we actually screen the content. So we're not just idly picking like, you know, between minute 103 and 1, you know, 45, that's your short. Um, it's it's we're listening to the, the content that's created and finding the most relevant and poignant kind of comments, whoever made them, it could be the host, it could be the guests. And, and and turning them into compelling shorts. Uh, not all shorts are created equal. And when you go through a process to create those that's uh, that's emotionally driven, that's designed against your target market, that feeds a strategy, you can get consistent messaging. You can get you know a repetition of where you want to be a thought leader in the market space. I mean, there's tons of uh, a work that goes into the short selection as well. So it's not just throwing darts at the wall. Well said. Uh, I know this is a super interesting topic for us, and it's one that we're going to keep continuing to really focus on because it's a core part of our value prop as we're figuring out how to like raise exposure for our clients and stuff like that too. So um, thank you for listening, guys. And as we learn more lessons, this, is be, this will be where we share with you as well too. Uh, and also, Brian, thanks for making the time. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting-done-for-you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. 
Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.